Good morning, my name's Debs, if you don't know me. Um, I lead the worship team here. Um, I work here two days a week on the staff. Um, and I'm going to be preaching this morning on the subject of worship. We've been doing a series called The Holy Spirit and You. Um, and this morning the topic is um, worshipping in spirit and in truth. So I'm going to be preaching on that this morning. And I'm really pleased to be able to share and worship this morning because it really is um, at the very core of who I am. It's really my heart. And so to be able to share some of that um, this morning is a real privilege. Um, for me, worship is about a natural overflow of what's in my heart. Um, and it's about the truth that's in my heart, but it's also about the work of his spirit in my life and in my heart. Um, when I was a teenager, there was a song that was around um, quite a lot. And these were some of the lyrics from that song. It said, it's the overflow of a forgiven soul. And now we've seen you, God, our hearts cannot stay silent. And that's really my heart to bring to you this morning, that the more that we see of God, the more that we know the truth of our salvation, um, and, and when we've been reborn in the Holy Spirit, and the more that we are full of the Holy Spirit, um, our hearts just have to worship God. That's the natural response. And so that's the message I'd hope to get across to you this morning. Um, now... Over the years, churches and worship streams and trends have gone different ways, and some tend to lean more towards worship being an experience, all about the experience of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's doing and following and following that. Others have tended to lean more towards um, making sure that worship is very scriptural, very truth-based, that, that the words that they're singing are, um, are full of truth and that it maybe follows a particular structure. But actually, worship should be um, both spirit and truth. That's what we're going to look at, the words of Jesus this morning. And, and the two are actually um, inextricably linked. They shouldn't be separated. If we're worshipping in spirit, then we will be worshipping in truth. If, we're worshiping, if we really are worshipping in truth, we will be worshipping in the spirit. Um, in the Bible, one of the words for the Holy Spirit is ruach, which is uh, the breath of God. Um, and the words that, we, uh, that God speaks are the truth that we're talking about. So in the same way that um, breath and speech and words that we speak are linked together, the words of God, the truth that he speaks and that he has spoken, and his breath are inextricably linked as well. They work together in harmony to glorify God, the Father, through Jesus the Son, and that forms the foundation of true worship that we're going to talk about this morning. Um, I'm just going to pray for us this morning before we read. We're going to read from the Gospel of John, an encounter that Jesus has with a woman at the well. You've probably heard the story before. Um, and he talks to her about this worshipping in spirit and truth. But I'm just going to pray for us first of all. Lord, I thank you that, um, that you're with us this morning. I thank you that we've sung words of truth um, already in our worship this morning that speak about who you are um, and what you've done for us and also um, that you've been moving amongst us clearly through your Holy Spirit, God, and speaking to our hearts and speaking to us individually and corporately. And I pray that as we, um, as we look at this together, I pray that you will come and speak clearly to our hearts, Lord, whether if we tend to lean more towards spirit or truth in our worship, Lord, will you come and prompt us and teach us um, how to worship you, how to become true worshippers of you, as this, um, as this passage talks about. Okay, we're going we're to start by having a look at this um, encounter that Jesus has 
uh, with a woman, a Samaritan woman, and he speaks to her about the kind of worshippers that the father is looking for. Um, This is quite a remarkable story, actually, and this is where Jesus sets out this teaching that we are to worship in spirit and in truth. So Jesus had been teaching in a place called Judea. He was just moving on through to somewhere else, to Galilee, to do some more teaching. And he passed through a place called Samaria, and he stopped at a well for a drink. A woman then comes along, and Jesus starts talking to her. He asks her if she'll give him a drink, if she'll get a drink for him from the well. Um, Now, it's, it's hard for us to fully grasp this, but... When we have a look at it in the context here, this woman, she's from a racial, cultural, religious tradition that was actually despised by the Jews who, whom Jesus was a part of. Not only this, but she was a woman and he was a man. Nowadays, that's not unusual, but at the time, that would have been, there would have been lots of social rules around engagement. But also, um, she was a woman who was known to be living an immoral life. Uh, Lots of commentators say that this is the reason she was at the well at midday by herself. She was the only one there. All the other women would have come in the morning together. It would have been a very communal sort of thing. But she she was an outsider in that, even in her own community. So for a Jewish teacher like Jesus to associate with a woman like this was not only frowned upon, but quite scandalous. It was almost against the rules, against the, the social conventions. But Jesus... He's not interested in that. He's not bothered by that. He reaches across that divide, across that barrier that has been created in order to connect with that woman. And I think that before we start to read, it's important to get this, um, this context. And this is a reminder, this is a picture, a reflection of God. He wants to engage with any, everybody. He wants to engage with all of us. He's not put off by um, human divides and barriers that we put in place. And in fact, Jesus has removed every barrier to us Um, engaging with the Father and connecting with him. God desires to connect with all of us. He uh, is looking for worship from everybody, not just significant people, popular people, powerful, successful people. He's looking um, for worshippers amongst all of us. So let's have a little look at Jesus' encounter with this woman. Um, I'm reading from John 4, verse 7. It says this, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain... But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. 
Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So this woman, probably in some sort of attempt to divert attention away from herself and what Jesus has, been, has, has said about her, he, she poses a question to Jesus here. She's asking, where should we worship? Which tradition is right? Is it the Samaritans or is it the Jews? Who's got it right? And, and we might sometimes ask a similar question in a different way. Which tradition is right? Which is the right way to worship? What's the way that we can worship that pleases God? But the problem is that that's really the wrong question, the question she's asking and that we might ask as well. Jesus tells her that time is coming, and that's the time that we're in now, where it doesn't matter where you worship. It's all about who you're worshipping, and it's all about what's going on in your heart and what's going on in your mind. He also tells her that God is looking for worshippers. He's not looking for tradition. He's not looking for ritual. He's not looking for a specific style of music. He's not got his... Maybe he has, but he's not got his favourite songs that he most prefers. Um, He's not got a song that he groans when it comes on. He's looking for worshippers. It's all about connecting with the human heart. And Jesus says that the Samaritans worship what they do not know, but the Jews worship a God that they do know. Worship is about knowing God. It's about knowing the truth of who he is and what he's done, but it's also about knowing him personally through his spirit because God himself is spirit, and he's sent his spirit to live inside of us, which is what we've been looking at over the past few weeks. Where in the Old Testament, God dwelt in temples, and that's where people could meet to worship him and to meet with him, he now dwells in his people, personally, in, each, in the heart of each believer, but also corporately amongst us. So he's looking for a spiritual connection as a basis for worship. And Jesus clearly says that, In that passage, true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. So we're going to pick out some of what Jesus is saying here about worshipping in truth and what that means, and some of what he's saying about worshipping in the spirit. And and although I've already said that they're linked, we are going to take them sort of separately. And I I just... um, ask you as I'm speaking and as, um, as we look at these to just be open to what God might be um, prompting you about or saying to you because we can often as well tend to lean towards one or the other to be stronger in one or the other in our worship um, and so I, I know for myself I've probably been lent more towards worshipping in truth and I'm growing and learning more about what it means to worship in the spirit so just let God speak to you as we look at these So first of all, worshipping in truth. Um, Jesus says, you Samaritans worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know. Jesus says that we need to know who we're worshipping. We need to know about him, and we need to know him, the Father. So worshipping in truth is about knowing who we worship. How can we get to know this God? How do we know who we're worshipping? Well, God's... um, 
The Bible says that we know from God's revelation of himself in creation, that speaks of who God is, but also through his written word, that's the primary revelation that he's given us, and, um, and through the, um, the ultimate embodiment, the full expression of God's word, which was in his son Jesus and his teachings. Jesus said that he is the truth. He said, I am the truth. And that if we follow his teachings, we'll know the truth too. So knowing the truth is, is about believing that every word of scripture is true and that everything it says about God is true. Everything it says about him being infinite, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's steadfast in love, he's just, he's merciful. I could go on and on with the attributes of God that the Bible tells us all about. That's the truth that we're talking about. Otherwise, our worship of him just remains quite superficial or quite vague. Um, It's like the difference between an infatuation and true love. So when I was a teenager, I used to have literally my whole walls. I didn't have a really big room, but every part of my wall from floor to ceiling and the whole ceiling was completely covered in posters. I used to get a pound pocket money. <laughs> and I used it every week to, on, on a magazine. Smash Hits magazine, Top of the Pops magazine. This is the, this is the era that I was, <laughs> I was a teenager in. And, um, and I loved pop music. I loved boy bands. I loved girl bands. I loved, I loved it all. And so my, my walls were literally covered in posters. And I, was, I thought I was in love with these, these pop stars, okay? The Backstreet Boys, Boy Zone. <laughs> I don't know if anyone, this is resonating with anybody. <laughs> um, but, um, but actually, I didn't really know these people. In fact, one of them, I don't know if any of you have been watching Strictly and you've seen Lee Ryan. He wasn't very good. He was from the boy band Blue. I was a big Blue fan. And, um, and one time, one of my friends actually like, bumped into him at a train station and they phoned me. Um, I was actually in a maths lesson, but I answered my phone. <laughs> uh, and it was, he'd got this guy, Lee Ryan, from the band Blue, I can tell you're all impressed, to, um, to talk to me on the phone. And I was just thought, this is amazing. Um, and he also left me a voicemail that I could then like, play over and over again afterwards because I was in love with him. <laughs> I have still got it, sadly. Um, probably if I actually knew him, I would not have been very in love with him. Um, but if you come to my house now, you won't see boy band posters everywhere, unfortunately, but you'll see photos of me with my, my boys, with my husband and my two boys. Um, and the sort of love that I have for them now is completely different from the love that I had for these boy bands because I really know them. I know them deeply. I know all about them. And, and the more I know them and the more I get to know them and the more time I spend with them, the more I love them. And, and that love is based on truth, not based on just um, a, some sort of vague, superficial um, love that you might find. In fact, with God, we could spend a whole lifetime getting to know him and we'd never get to the end of it. Even just one aspect of his character, there's so much depth to, um, to him and to who he is that there's, there's just an infinite amount of knowledge that we, could, that we could soak up about him. There's an old hymn that described it like this, and this is just talking about God's love, so just one aspect of his character. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made... Were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. 
It's infinite what we could learn about and know about God's love. And that's just one aspect. That's not even the rest of his character or even starting to talk about all the things that he's done for us. How he saved us and redeemed us, forgiven us and made a way for us to come to the Father. Uh, and there's an author, worship leader called Bob Cowflin, who's written a book called True Worshippers. And he, he says that we actually can't worship God apart from his word. He says this, If God didn't reveal himself to us, we wouldn't know who to trust, who to obey, who to thank or who to serve. We wouldn't know what God is like, what he's commanded or what he has promised. Most importantly, we wouldn't know how he brought us near to himself and into his family through the substitutionary sacrifice of his son on the cross. And all of those truths are necessary to know if we want to worship God for who he is. Scripture wonderfully directs and enriches our worship. It defines, directs and inspires our worship. Scripture provides doctrinal fuel for our emotional fire. Knowing God through his word enables us to receive what we need to worship him. The more that we know about God, the, the more um, deeply and richly we can worship him. Worship is a response then to that knowledge, to the revelation that we have of God through his word and, um, and through creation and through Jesus. The more we know about him, the more deeply we can actually worship him. Um, that's why I love songs like this. This is one of the songs that we sing that I lead quite often. Um, it says this, My soul is alive with worship. I'm singing again because my heart, it overflows with the love and mercy of you, my God. My soul is alive with wonder. I'm welcomed again before you, my Father. Oh, how I love to worship you, my God. It's saying in that song, the more that we know and understand the love and the mercy of God, the more our hearts will want to respond in worship because we're, we're full of gratitude towards him. The more that we understand how wonderful and profound and, in fact, scandalous it is that we are welcomed before God as our Father, the more we'll want to engage and to worship with him, worship him. And this is where it all starts to link together, because I'm going to move now to talking more about worshipping in the Spirit. Um, because if, this, uh, if, if we receive all this truth... It's the spirit that really brings it alive to us. It's the spirit born in, reborn inside of us and deep inside of us when we become a Christian that brings that truth from just something we know in our head to something that we know in our hearts. In Ezekiel, God made this promise, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from, your heart, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that promise has now been fulfilled for those of us that have received Jesus into our hearts. Later on from that encounter with, um, with the woman at the well, Jesus is continuing to teach and he's teaching on the Holy Spirit. And he says that the Holy Spirit will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So it's the work of the Spirit that make the words of Christ and all of that truth that we've learned that make them really known to us and alive in our hearts. It's the spirit and the word working together to really reveal more deeply who God is. And that brings glory to God the Father and Jesus. So we're able to experience the truth and actually know it in our hearts. So there's some, I'm just going to go through some examples in Romans of truth made known to us through the Holy Spirit. Romans 5 says that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So it's not just that we know about God's love, it's been poured into our hearts. 
Romans 15 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we know God is a God of hope, but the Holy Spirit makes it, that hope overflow in our hearts. The Spirit also makes it known to us that we're sons and daughters. These are just a few examples. Uh, Romans 8 says, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by the Spirit we cry, Abba, Father. So it's through the Holy Spirit that we can know God as our Father, that we can know the truth that we're, that we're his sons and daughters. As we saw in that story, Jesus went to great lengths to connect with this woman. And he went to even greater lengths, actually, to connect with each one of us, even to death on a cross. And when he rose again, he tore the veil that meant that we couldn't, we couldn't come straight to God as we were, that we couldn't directly meet with God. He made us righteous in God's sight. He made a way for us to know God as our Father. So when we worship, the, the Spirit enables us to connect with God in a very real way. Because God wants to meet with us. He wants to speak to us. He wants to reveal more of himself to us. And all of that is going on when we're worshipping him. The Spirit moves amongst us when we worship together as well. He brings healing. He brings comfort. He brings all kinds of different gifts. He brings, um, he brings blessing to us. He can bring conviction. When we worship, we have an opportunity to really engage with him and with what he's actually doing, open our hearts to him, focus on him and connect with God through his spirit. In his encounter at the well, Jesus also started to speak to the woman about a spring of living water. He said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And he, he explains this a little bit further along in John. He says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So that living water he's talking about, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the gift that he's offering to this woman. Now, all of us look to various things to, and this is anthropologists say that all humans do this. We look to different things to satisfy a thirst that's within us. We look to things to satisfy our desires, to give us true contentment and fulfillment. And those are things that we then end up worshipping because we're looking to them for salvation or for fulfillment. And Jesus knew that this woman that he met, she was, she was in the same situation. She and she was looking to relationships to, to fulfill those desires inside her. But Jesus is saying here that nothing will fully satisfy you except for the Holy Spirit and except for God himself. Um, a few weeks ago, Tim Green spoke amazingly about being filled with the Holy Spirit and being, on, and being constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you didn't listen to that, I really encourage you to get that um, and listen to it because it was a really, um, really life-changing message, actually, and something to keep coming back to and keep listening to about, being, about these rivers of living water. Um, when we're full of the Holy Spirit, when we keep on being filled, then we'll find our soul satisfaction in him, in God. And when we do that, 
We find hope, we find contentment, we find joy, we find security, and all of those things. Jesus is saying here, you can't find that within yourself. You can only find that, or you can't find that in anything around you, actually. You can only find that through the, the living water that is given to you by the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, our worship of God becomes so much more profound because we're saying, God, you are the only one that can satisfy my desires. You are the only one that can fulfill me completely. And that is, that is worship. That's putting him in his rightful place, worthy of everything. So that, that's why a heart that's full of both truth and the spirit is one that can't help but overflow in worship to God. It's also an emotional response, like I've been talking about. It's a response of gratitude. It's a response of love in response to the things that God has done for us and the way that he loves us and the way that he satisfies us. John Piper says that worship must be vital and real in the heart and and worship must rest on a right perception of God. Where feelings for God are dead, worship is dead. So worship should be an emotional and a spiritual experience as well as, as being... Found, as being rooted in foundation of, of truth and of scripture. It's a deep spiritual response to a loving, merciful God and a heart that's been rescued and redeemed and reborn in the spirit. When I see my two little boys, they're just learning how to play with each other a lot of the time. It's more negative than positive, <laughs> but they're three in one, so they're just learning. Um, but when I see them playing together and really enjoying each other's company, my heart just bursts. It's so, it's so wonderful to see. It's one of the best things of being a parent, is seeing your children um, interact and, and love one another. And now when I see that, I don't, I don't think to myself, okay, what, what's the truth that's happening here? They are both um, enjoying each other's company. That should make me feel happy. So I'm going to smile and respond, emotion, and respond with a happy emotion. Okay, that's a sort of robotic <laughs> response. But actually, that, you know, I don't think about that. I just respond from what I'm seeing with, um, with that emotion. And, and that's the same thing as what we're talking about here. If The more that we really deeply know the truth and the Spirit's made that alive to us, we'll respond emotionally. So worship should be an emotional thing. Right, we're going to just um, look quickly at how to apply some of this in our personal worship of God and then also a little bit in our corporate worship. So I've done this by just um, pulling out some statements that you may be able to identify with um, or you may not, but, um, but they're going to help us to apply it. So first of all, you might feel like this, I don't feel like I know enough truth about God. Well, the, the answer to that is quite easy. Read more of the Bible. Read about Jesus. Read Romans. Get the gospel right into your heart. Um, Read the Psalms. They are really authentic songs of worship where you see somebody's real heart towards God and is full of truth about who God is as well. You can also read up on the attributes of God. I remember when, um, a long time ago, getting this book. Um, I'm just going to give you some book recommendations. The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. It's a real classic, and this is the first um, book I read about, about God, about the attributes of God. I wanted to know more about God, and, um, and it really blew my mind. It was just an amazing book. It's quite old-fashioned, but it's in the language, but it just taught me so much about who God is and what the Bible says about him. There's a, a sort of more modern, maybe easier-to-digest version, Incomparable by Andrew Wilson. This one's lots and lots of short Um, chapters again each one just pulling out some truth about who God is and then this one which is my favorite 
current book, which um, is, is called None Like Him. It's got a very girly cover, um, so don't be put off by that, men, if you're... If you're <laughs> I mean, maybe you like that cover, I don't know. Um, but it, is, it says it's written for women, but it's really not at all. It's, all, it's for anybody. Um, this one is 10 ways God is different from us and why that's a good thing. And it talks, all, it talks about... It just picks out 10 aspects of God's character, and it really... Um, it really will do you good to read that, I promise you. It talks about how God is different to us, but why, they, but why that's good and how that impacts on our relationship with him. And, um, and if I were you, if you haven't got it on your Christmas list, put it on your Christmas list or buy it for someone for Christmas because it will do them good. None like him, it's a really good book. Um, reading that has enhanced my worship of God. So hopefully I'll do the same to you. You might feel like this, my heart isn't overflowing with worship. I do know truth about God, but my heart isn't overflowing, like you're talking about. Well, in some ways, the answer is the same. Get to know more, even more about God, but also be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask to be, you can come to the front at the end this morning if you want to be filled with more of the Holy Spirit. Don't wait, like Tim Green said, don't wait until you're feeling empty. Just continuously ask for God to come and fill you with more of his spirit. You don't have to be prayed for, you can do it. Just ask him yourself. Or you can come and ask somebody else. Um, Also, rather than wondering how can I worship God better, how can I make my heart overflow, um, it's it's a better question maybe to ask, how can I enjoy God more? How can I learn to enjoy more of who God is, more of these truths that I know? Well, you can do that by spending time with him, finding songs that help you connect with him, finding songs that help you emotionally connect with him. Um, a few years ago, I felt God really starting to teach me about just enjoying him and just standing in his presence. And just, um, in, I, I'll often do this when I'm worshipping. I'm just, I'm just almost imagining the sun, you know, and you're just basking in the sun. And it's just, it's just pouring over you, giving you warmth. I think it might have started genuinely when we got these lights because they're so hot. And when I'm up here leading worship, I just feel like the sun's beating down on me but actually it's really helped me because I can just stand and um, and just enjoy God just give him space to come and speak to me just just let the truths I know about God wash over me and just um, it's really helped me actually to enter into his presence and to just learn to stand and enjoy that you know I would do that in the sun I'd sun I'd sunbathe it's almost like that but with with God that's something that's helped me it might be different for you um you might feel that it's too difficult for me to worship right now because of some circumstances going on in your life. And we'll probably all go through times where it's not as easy to just come and sing truth about God and be full of joy and have our hearts overflowing. Um, and there's all kinds of reasons for that. But I would put forward that this is not a time to disengage with truth and spirit, but a time to really, gra- really grasp um, the truth that you know, to stand firm on the truth that you know, but also to really engage with, with the spirit, because um, it's a time when maybe we can't rely on our emotions, but we can rely on the truth that we know, but we also need help from the Holy Spirit to really bring that again to our hearts. He's the one who brings healing, he's the one who brings comfort, he's the one who brings peace, and so for me, I've found times when it's difficult, I'm singing some, a song and I, I'm having to think, do I believe that this is true? Yes, I do, but I'm, I'm finding it hard to 
really believe that in my heart. So Holy Spirit, come and make that known to me. Um, in terms of corporate worship, when we gather together to worship God like we do on a Sunday or in some other context, there's, um, there's a couple of things I wanted to pull out of the New Testament that, that speak about um, the impact of the truth in our worship and the impact of the Spirit in our worship. So Colossians 3 says this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, so that's the gospel, dwell among you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So a people that are full of the truth of the gospel, a community that are full of the truth of the gospel, will be um, full of gratitude in our hearts and we'll be singing, uh, singing songs, singing, um, uh, singing with gratitude, it says, in our hearts. But also, in Ephesians, it says this, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, being full of the Spirit causes us also, being full of the Spirit as a people causes us also to worship and sing from our hearts to God. Both of those verses talk about singing and making music from our hearts, but also about singing to one another, singing to encourage one another with the truth that we know and with, um, with the work of his Spirit. That's why sometimes we spend some time in our worship um, where we're not singing, formally singing words that are on the screen, but we're just, um, we did it this morning, um, where James just encouraged people to sing from our hearts, just sing and to engage with God and engage with what he's doing. Um, Sometimes those songs that we might sing, and sometimes people bring a song at the, at the microphone as well, sometimes they are songs of worship to God, sometimes they're songs or words that, God, that the Spirit has given us to encourage one another. So during those times, they're not times to disengage and just wait for the next song, they're times to really engage with God, with his truth that you know about him, but also with his Spirit and to, to ask him what, he's, um, what he wants to say to you, what he wants to bring to us all together. As a worship team, we try, we take it very seriously, um, making sure that the words that we, the songs that we choose are full of truth, that they teach, um, teach us as a church and fill our hearts and fill our mouths and fill our minds with truth about God. Um, we probably don't always get it right, but we try our best. And at the same time, we also are looking when we're meeting together to engage with the Spirit. So we're looking around to see and asking God, what are you doing amongst us? Is he wanting to bring healing? Is he wanting to bring, um, is he wanting to bring joy or hope? Is he wanting to, um, to speak to particular individuals about something? And again, that's why we have people contributing as well. We want to know what's the Spirit doing and partner with what he's doing. So, in conclusion... God is looking for true worshippers. He wants to engage with us. He doesn't discriminate in who he receives worship from. He just wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. The more that we fill ourselves with his truth and the more that we are filled by him, filled with his spirit, the more genuine and heartfelt our worship will be. And the more genuine and heartfelt our worship will be, the more God is glorified through our worship and through, um, and through us. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. When we become welcomed into his family, this should be our preoccupation, engaging our heart with God, 
with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, engaging our mind with God's truth, engaging our soul with him, looking to him for our soul satisfaction, and drawing our strength from him alone. I want to be always looking to know more of God through his word and through his spirit, so that he may be more glorified through my worship of him. I just ask you to stand, I'm going to pray for us as we finish. God, I just thank you that you um, have revealed so much of yourself to us through your word. God, I thank you that there's just an infinite amount um, that we could learn about you, Lord. And I thank you that it's all good. I thank you that all of it um, just causes us to worship you in response, Father. And, And I pray that you'll come and fill us each with more of your spirit. God, will you come and make all those truths known to our hearts, Lord, that our hearts will just be overflowing with gratitude to you, with wonder of who you are, with um, and just awe of what you've done for us, God. I just pray that, um, I pray that you'll help us to, to engage and learn more about you, God, to never lose our enthusiasm, to learn about you and to find out more about you, to discover more of who you are, to, to go deeper and further in our understanding of the gospel and what you've done for us. And, um, and I, I pray that your spirit will make those things really known and alive in our hearts, God. I pray that you'll fill us with, um, with joy, Lord, the joy of our salvation, that when we sing and see words of truth about you, that it will just overflow into hearts that just have to worship you, that have to respond in a way that, um, that brings glory to you. Father, I just pray that personally and as we gather together, that when we worship you, your name will be glorified above all else, Lord, that we declare that our satisfaction, our soul thirst is found only in you, God, and no one else, that you're the name over every name, Lord, and that you are the one who's worthy of our worship above everyone and everything else. God, we thank you that you love to connect with us. We thank you that you love to engage with your people. We thank you that you move amongst us when we worship. And we thank you that you've been here with us this morning. I pray that you'll fill us with more of your spirit as we go out into our lives this week. Amen. Amen. Amen.